20 feet down in the earth, they build a huge eight foot pipe out of brick and connect it to another one. There's another one and there's another one. They go all over the area. There's thousands, Mm -hmm. thousands. You you think about the scale of that. It would take a serious restructuring of our, we we just don't have the the workforce to even handle those kinds of things. But then like, was there no plan of like, Like, you know, you just put these pipes in the ground and you're just like, oh, I guess I'll never think about it again. <laughs> a lot of people haven't. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we're going to be talking about water infrastructure. And that's a topic I know very little about, but we're going to be talking with our friend Shane. And Shane, why don't, I'm just going to, we're just going to jump right into it. Why don't you just start talking about kind of yourself and kind of how you got into water. Well, my name is Shane. I you know, got this cool environmental degree and then decided to find a way to actually use it. And I found that best worked in engineering. Um, the engineering field has lots of infrastructure projects right now. Infrastructure is very popular. Bridges, roads, tunnels, water, lots of water, especially in PG County in Maryland. Uh, Maryland's got one of the best environmental areas and I'm super happy to be from here and know what kind of is you know, the problems that Maryland deals with because we deal with them more than any other state. I'm constantly amazed by, yeah. you know, what I find, you know. It's, it's, it's something else when you do your first time going down a 16-foot manhole and you find an 8-foot pipe underground. I mean, it's just like, is this real? Yeah, you're like standing in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hear things and, you know, just getting moshing around a little bit, a little bit of mud. It's yeah. pretty dark. There's nothing down there. You're like, has anybody been down here in the last 50 years? Oh, shit. What do you do in the manhole? Like once you're down there, literally, what are you doing? So I was just inspecting them. I'd go in there and I'd take pictures and I'd see what was down there. So but it's really dark. I've done lots of different things, but wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just use you have literally one of those like oh you're, what did you so say? so I had two different jobs. One job is to go in the man go into uh, these water treatment water quality devices they call them. So the water quality inlets and they they basically have these massive pipes underground for when there's storm surges they can store a lot of water. So there's big pipes that just store water so that it doesn't flood all the way down and flash flood in other places. So I go in there and make sure they're full of trash or not full of trash and see if there's mud or whatever. Uh, the other thing is just looking at the low man, the little manholes that you find in neighborhoods. And that's just, I'm trying to map them all. We don't know where they are. We don't know how deep they are. And hopefully the goal is to build a hydrological module, model that models where all the water can flow. Not just where it flows on a river or on the road, but where it actually flows through the manhole, through all the structures and out to some pond somewhere. So the only way basically to figure out where the pipes are is to like go through, like crawl through the pipes. Mm, Well, so pipes are straight, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just like, okay, here's the beginning, here's the end. That's probably where it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. (laughs) And you can, you can get, they have drones now. I mean, they they have little like tracked vehicles that they drive down the pipes. So you can like look, like, like actually see the inside of pipes, but it it takes a lot of effort and it's expensive to do that. I can imagine. Yeah. It's trippy. It's very trippy. Wow. It's all this connected underground city that we don't realize exists unless you are involved in it. And I think it's insane. It's it's crazy what we don't know is serving our needs. I mean, just no organization knows everything they have. I mean, many people don't understand all the pipes that are under the ground. In Boston, they still have pipes that are made out of wood. They just found some. What? <laughs> they have, what? There, there are old trees. They're replacing them. They're just, they're just hollowed out trees. That <laughs> That are, you know, burned or whatever, somehow hardened and yeah, been underground so. for 120 years, you know. <laughs> As we were doing a little bit of like prelim research, 
it just feels like everything is just like kind of one like mistake away from just collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of these lifetimes of when they calculate the lifetimes for these pipes, they, they're like 80 years, you know, but it's been 80 years now. And <laughs> so a lot what, of those pipes are not being replaced. So I whose mean, job is it to do that? So it's very interesting. Isn't uh, we can talk about the, you know, California is an interesting example because we really see a, uh, all our utilities are privately owned mostly. I mean, you can talk, there's some municipal utilities that exist, but most of them are owned by private companies. Uh-huh. And that seems it's a more efficient option. You know, we're a capitalist nation. So that makes sense. You know, capitalism operates well, it's efficient, but that efficiency can lead itself into interesting directions when it comes to infrastructure. Cause it's a public good. So for one example is when they, when they replace these pipes, they're not replacing them as they come up for, you know, their, their lifetimes, they replace them as they need to or when it's convenient. So for example, redeveloping a neighborhood, it's really easy to go in there and you know tear out the roads and then tear out the pipes at the same time. So the places that are redeveloped all the time have very good infrastructure. And a lot of times those are cost efficient ways to do that. But yeah. when you're doing cost analysis on all these things, they, they end up replacing the same neighborhoods over and over again. And older neighborhoods, poorer na- neighborhoods, red line neighborhoods, don't get the same kind of attention. Mm-hmm. They still have the same infrastructure that's been in there since the beginning. Yeah. Is it bad that this is like, that utilities are privately owned? Like, I mean, historically, no, it's, it it does make more sense because if if you deal with any sort of county government organization or state government, I mean, there's a, there's a whole thing about government not being able to operate things efficiently. Right. And it gets worse the lower down you get. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it is true that, you know, human nature, you kind of get relaxed in, in those kind of municipal jobs and they're not as efficient, Mm -hmm. but we're reaching the point where the profits aren't, aren't really there for replacement. So I think a lot of these private companies shouldn't be privately owned anymore, even yeah. though it's been that way useful for a long time. We're getting to a point where it's it's not a matter of, of profit. It's a matter of we need to get this done. For example, uh, WSSC is the Washington Sanitary Sewer Commission, something like that. Um, they're the people that own all the pipes under D.C. and PG County. Basically, not not DC. They go right up to the edge of DC, but they do all the areas around that, um, and they are replacing all their pipes. But they talk about this: they're replacing what uh, eighty miles of pipe a year. They have over three thousand miles of pipe throughout the area, and so if you think about the replacement value of that, like they're not replacing all their stuff at the rate that it's falling apart. In fact, a lot of this stuff gets abandoned, and it's more efficient to leave it in the ground abandoned and just build a new pipeline then tear it up and replace it. This is like what Michigan is all about. Replacing those pipes is really expensive and nobody's really prepared for that. You know, we do, we do 80 years, but they, they never assumed that we'd actually not replace it in 80 years. And now we're at this point. So wait, so can you tell us actually what Michigan is about? Because I thought they were basically trying to replace all the pipes because like they got, they are, they are, they are. But, um, in general, it's more efficient to build a new pipe network than it is to replace an existing pipe network. So that's mm-hmm. what makes it really difficult is, you know, when a city is not able to provide a lot of, you know, capital for these things, who's who's able to who's paying these people to do all this work? It's a lot of work. I mean, but then even if you did work, you know, if you're saying now that we should not have it be privately owned and do it publicly, do you feel like that would actually get more money in the door to do those types of projects? Because like you said, if the solution is capitalism, right, where like that's going to like kind of yeah. people light the fire under people's asses. How would you do that if you then were to make it public again? 
Mm. That, and that's a tough question. So, so what, one thing we see is like with, um, with uh, PE, I forget what they're called, the, the company out in, in California that owns all their um, wireless networks, all their executives are leaving with these bonuses, right? They're, they're, they're a profit-based company, so they're, they're going to take their losses. They know losses are coming, so they're not going to be prepared to go through the hard times. That's why I think we need to have these things be owned by the state in some way so that we can have them be regulated and not have them unfairly redlining communities, essentially. So if you have a street that's like brand new, you can easily go in there and, and, and change all the infrastructure when it's being constructed. But if something's being used every single day, how do you get in there and replace all of it? You have to shut down an entire block, mm-hmm. an entire area, maybe. And that just has to happen at some point because it's really hard to replace things as they're being used. So one of my things, my company does um, a lot of bridges. Well, bridges all over this country need to be repaired. They're reaching their lifetime limits. And how do you replace a bridge if it's used every day for traffic? It gets very tricky. So those types of things would be much better handled by a state enterprise that can actually say, hey, this is going to suck, but we have to do this. We have to do this. It's not going to be a profit-based thing but, it's a it's an efficiency thing but even when we have things that are paid for publicly right you still see poor communities getting less support and like right for like schools and stuff like that yeah. right you know poor schools definitely you know schools that are in poor areas are still worse Absolutely. right so like how would having it be public solve that problem i you know what you you were you raised a good point there's not really a better option either way but we we can see that at at least there's some sort of commitment to the public good and that you can have people influence those those conversations by you know having them publicly available yeah as opposed to being behind private licenses and all these mm-hmm. other things is the idea that like a state a state agency would be able to more easily sort of coordinate mass shutdowns of areas I think so. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm very young within the uh, infrastructure yeah. empire, and it's, it's a very complicated problem. It touches every aspect of society. Everybody's involved in it, and nobody wants to deal with it. You know? Yeah. It's one of those things. And that's what, if, when you say all those things together, that sounds like a state problem. Nobody wants to deal with it, and it's a really sounds big problem. A, sounds like a state problem. Yeah, it does. And uh, so I don't know how that happens, but we at least need better management of, of, of the, the private owners of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, some companies are better than others. WSSC is a very good company, of course. Uh, they they actually have a lot. They're very profitable, and they're able to pay for all these. They're they're ahead on their on their pipe uh, inspections. So they, they go out and, and go into communities, have all these easements, and they repair things as they should. But they are unable to do it at you know the actual replacement rate of these pipes. We're still losing infrastructure all the time. We're not able to actually keep updating and updating and updating. And I think that's one of the problems in America versus other. Um, smaller countries because it's not a there's not it's not like the technology isn't there. We are always making better technology for these things. We just don't have the resources to go to all of our areas. We just keep building new ones. Yeah. So if you're in like Japan where you have a limited amount of infrastructure, you're going to keep replacing the infrastructure at a very high rate. Yeah. But here we just keep building new communities because it's more cheaper to do that. Yeah, and we like still have space to do so. And we have the space, right? Yeah. This sounds very bleak. It's, it's, it's one of those problems that, you know, you don't see a, an easy solution to it. But there are things that we are working on. So, for example, um, so D.C. Waters actually got one of the only class A sewage recycling facilities in the world. They can, they can turn raw sewage into um, like spreadable compost in one process, which is very hard to do. Wow. Um, D.C. Water actually has this very interesting. <laughs> so they, they have this big pump out in the middle of the Potomac, in the middle of D.C., and they actually got sued because right where they had their outflow, it was a massive dark spot in the Potomac that people could see when they were flying over it. So I think it was 
Southwest or one of those airlines sued them and said, this is ridiculous. We can see this big hole in the water and it's, it looks like it's so dark and dirty. Uh, why is, you know, I, we're going to sue you for polluting the Potomac. Well, it turns out that dark hole was the clearest spot in the river because you could see the bottom. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so DC water is actually pretty cool. DC water is really cool. They, they have a lot of very advanced uh, technologies that they've brought from like Germany that are very efficient at turning raw effluent into something that's, you know, usable. Yeah. Or, or at least not hazardous. Here's an interesting exercise is uh, we've been trying to figure out as environmentalists, something the environmental side of things, how do we like incorporate our natural resources into our capitalist mindset? For example, if you have a wetland, that filters water at some rate per year. It actually does a really good job of that. Yeah. So how much is a wetland per square foot worth? We don't have a price on that, but there should be a price for that. And it's hard to figure out what that should be, but it's definitely a lot. It's yeah. definitely a lot. When you pay for a water treatment facility, that's, you know, millions of dollars to build a water treatment facility. But if you actually just use our local wetlands and increase those, which there are lots of programs that do that right now right. Um, and, and protect them, but putting an actual price on it is difficult. And if you talk to environmental people, that's it's immeasurable really because it's never going to be better. A water treatment plant's never going to be like better than a wetland. Yeah. 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 So a lot of these um, systems, they all run by different organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So they're run by different private organizations, some of them by municipal organizations, county, state, whatever. They also interfere with roadways. So all these things are kind of connected. Yeah. Well, now we have the technology to actually track them. And that's something that we haven't had. And it's a really big deal because we don't even know what's in the ground sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you literally check the pipe? Like if it's underground, right? Yeah. You, or you can't like dig up every single like inch of it to see, you know, right? Like how do you right. check it? Right. So, I mean, they, they have all these as-builds. They have these plans that were built, right? But sometimes things weren't built according to the plan or things have changed over the, over the years or we just don't have the data and we haven't really thought about it. So it used to be you had to go through all these papers Find anything that was just related to that area and hope, you know, you call Miss Utility. They have they're, they're the ones who just try and grab all this data and sort through it. But now we're able to um, coordinate it through something called GIS, Geographic Information Systems. It's very, you know, just it's Excel for the map. You know, you just kind of map everything out. So um, something that I'm doing right now, we're going out to every storm drain in PG County and tracking them, measuring them, finding out the material, putting all these things into one centralized database. And that's extremely powerful when you want to like actually do a good cost benefit analysis on where to do work and what's actually falling apart. You need to have that data. The only problem is getting that data is very difficult. So how do you get the data? You, you got to go out, you got to get teams together that know what they're talking about. You have to have the, um, we have new technology that allows us to easily and quickly and en enter all this stuff. But, um, it, it's just a matter of investment because you don't see the actual reward for these systems until they're really built up and you just need more and more and more data. And that seems to be a, a hard thing to explain to somebody who's done it by paper for all these years. Yeah. I remember that being a big problem with Flint. Like I was watching a special on there and it was like, they had to turn over like the records of where pipes were to the government. Mm -hmm. And they're like legit, just like in boxes somewhere, like yep. scattered across city hall. Yeah. And like some of the papers were like, water damaged and like it was just like literally like hard copies of where of like the pipe plans and they got in trouble well the government was like trying to strong arm them and be like yeah we need these these like these plans and they're like we just don't have it we, we just don't, don't have we it, don't. I mean, it <laughs> like, how do you expect somebody to maintain those kinds of libraries uh for decades you know when 
you, you have different employees coming in and out. There's no real centralized thing. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're in this new stage where we can actually incorporate our data all collectively together. Yeah. It's but so, it just takes so much work. It takes so much work. Cause you know, one thing is you expect if you went out with an iPad and you thought you could just put in all this data, you think it'd be easy, right? It's actually kind of time consuming and people that have been doing this job for a long time, they've been doing inspections, you know, for decades yeah. without laptops and iPads and all this other stuff. They were going out there with paper, they were, you know, charting it out, taking all their notes, you know, marking it out in the field. But now we have an iPad. Well, you, you do, you put all that data in there, but that's a, so many taps, you know, yeah. so many things you're putting in there. It's, it's not always efficient as you would think. Yeah, Like data you know? management becomes yeah. an issue then. Yeah. But once it's in there, it's in there forever. And that's what's, you know, it's just a slow process of getting all that data in there, collected, <laughs> QC'd, and then starting to connect it, start connecting uh, together. So that needs to happen, but it like does need everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> so actually, so we're, we're in Maryland, we're in PG County. Uh, well, technically here's DC, but uh, I'm more aware of PG County. And mm-hmm. it's one of the best places. It, it's the number one area for environmental work in the United States because we have the most investment behind it. We have the Chesapeake Bay Fund, which I don't know if you know. Do you know how the Chesapeake Bay Fund started? No, please explain. So it's a $3.1 billion lawsuit payout by the government because a couple scientists sued the EPA for not following the Clean Air, Clean Water Act and how they treated the bay. They showed it with, you know, with, with the sampling statistics and they said, hey, this bay is toxic and polluted because you're not managing this municipal area. Mm-hmm. And so they sued the government, one. Three point billion, one billion dollars, and that funds a lot of work around this area. So the scientists just like chose to give it back, give it back to the infrastructure of Maryland. Um, I'm not really sure how that you know uh, legally works out. Yeah, I, I know they sued the government, and mm-hmm. the government. And were these just like private scientists, or like were they? Not sure about that either. I know they were scientists. Uh, there's lots of great scientific work being done in this area. I would guess they're probably related to the University of Maryland. Right. Um, a lot of that work has gone through there, but. Um, yeah. Scientists all over the world are very interested in this bay. We have the biggest estuary in mm-hmm. the world. It's yeah. a very rare, um, beautiful, you know, yeah. environmental area, and it's very close to one of the biggest municipal areas in our country. So, yeah. but the main idea is that this lawsuit payout happened, and now Maryland has this big pot of money that they right. can fund a lot of work to do right. this way. And it's not just for Maryland; it funds anything within the Chesapeake Bay, which includes, uh, I think, it's seven states: Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, Delaware. Maryland and I think I don't know. There's some more in there yeah, somewhere. Some other but, state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Maryland's obviously like the we're the we're the we're the center of that basin. We're the closest ones to it. We feel the effects and we also make money off of the bay. So it's all kind of everybody's interested. Lots of interested parties are interested mm-hmm. in that stuff. So um, it, one of the interesting things is like when you think about Pennsylvania being in that watershed, right? Yeah. They contribute a lot to that watershed from farming and otherwise, but they have very low regulations in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And so they contribute all these things into our watershed, but we're the ones who end up dealing with it downstream. Mm. It comes into our water. It comes out of their mountains. So that's a, it's a tough, you know, yeah. thing. Like how do you, how do you pressure other people to realize that their effects that, you know, travel downstream? Yeah. Because like pollution doesn't know boundaries, pollution but like boundaries, yeah. state governments are all about boundaries. Exactly. Here's my line in the sand, but you know, nature works in a huge connected system. I feel and so and infrastructure is our little nature. It's our little, it's our, our little built ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know? So how did you get into infrastructure? Um, so I, I did environmental science and that sounds great. You know, you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to do environmental science. But then you realize, oh, um, the only, like, 
it, to me, it doesn't seem worthwhile to, uh, for me to like research, you know, like all the different bugs and, you know, get life forms figured out. Like it's about our interaction with the environment and mm. infrastructure is the easiest way to, to connect those two things. Yeah. It's literally water and things that keep us alive and we have to get rid of them and move them in places. And it's, you know, it undergirds everything we do in our society. The moment our infrastructure breaks, we break. I mean, there's there's no no way around that. Yeah. You ever had your traffic get snarled up by a water main break? Yeah. This it's things just, happen a lot. Yeah. It's just like there's water on, all over the street now, and you can't yeah. go here. So. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it, there's been a lot recently, especially in this area, and you know what it is? Very old pipes that nobody's been able to replace because they're what twenty feet underground, eight feet wide. These are huge pipes. You can't just replace them after things have been built on top of them. They're very. It's very hard to do that. This was all built before things were built, and now we're kind of try to go back under and repair them all. It requires some very crafty solutions and is a lot to do. Most of our um, infrastructure right now in PG County is built out of masonry and brick. So if you go in there, you realize that somebody's gone down and built up like 18, 15, 20 foot deep tunnels out of brick. That's down under the earth, 20 feet down in the earth. They built a huge eight foot pipe out of brick and connect it to another one. There's another one. There's another one. They go all over the area. There's thousands, mm -hmm. thousands. You, you think about the scale of that. It would take a serious restructuring of our, we, we just don't have the, the workforce to even handle those kinds of things. But then like, was there no plan of like, <laughs> Like, you know, you just put these pipes in the ground and you're just like, oh, I guess I'll never think about it again. <laughs> a lot of people haven't. So um, I'm mapping these areas, right? And we have certain areas that we know where storm drains are. But you would be surprised at how many areas we don't know where storm drains are. Mm. I find abandoned lines mixed in with other lines and they build them on top of each other. So there'd be like, there's, there'd be like one, one area was, was built out of clay, vitrified clay. They use clay pipes in, in, in certain areas of history because they didn't have access to steel or iron or otherwise. So they use clay pipes in this one. They built another system on top of that and they built a third system on top of that. As things get more and more developed, they keep building systems on top of each other and it gets right. very complicated. Yeah. I was going to respond to what Isabel said about like not having a plan. And it might've been like, yeah, they had a plan, but all they had at the time was brick. They're yep. like, they're like, yeah. they're like, yeah, so we'll just build this shit out of brick. And like, that's what they had. And then now we're like, well, that was a fucking dumb idea. But at the time, maybe it wasn't. So a lot of, it's, it's funny cause uh, a lot, there was a certain point when it was really hard to get manholes and people were actually stealing manholes and selling them for just the iron. I think they're made out of cast iron. Like literally just like the covers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The covers. So they would steal them and the county was running out of things to replace with them. So they started cutting them out of just, you know, just metal and just throwing them in there. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, different times in, in history have had different access to resources and that's influenced how we built our infrastructure. Yeah. So, I mean, is it the kind of thing that the public really needs to be like involved in at all? Because most people don't know about this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You know, well, like, I'd say something um, that like people on a normal day to day basis can like advocate for and be like, hey, like we're worried about this shit and like <laughs> we should do something about it because they're all public. I mean, they're all private, right? Yeah. Well, one thing is um, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So mm -hmm. lots of people that, you know, if you if you have a, a, a well, a, a nice neighborhood and you have a, a problem in your neighborhood, you're going to get reported and get it fixed very quickly. And maybe people that are in neighborhoods that don't have 
as much resources aren't aware of like you can just call your utility company and report gas leaks you need to go to city hall and tell them that this is a real problem mm-hmm. so one of the one of the big problems right now is gas leaks happening all over the area uh between baltimore at, just outside of baltimore and down through um that kind of area the south of baltimore they they're replacing all these steel gas lines finally because people are reporting gas leaks and if you don't report these things they're not going to do anything about it that's really it's really about reporting those things yeah um, that's exactly what i like there's a, a freakonomics episode i was listening to about like you know like the potholes in like i don't know some city yeah. and you know the mayor was literally just like well we just fix them as they get called in exactly you know and it's like well it could be like oh we're not you know we're not paying for the maintenance of like the poor areas, but I'm sure it could also be a function of like the p- richer people know to call in, it's care organizing. more about, mm-hmm. about the, you know, aesthetics of their whatever the street and like, you know, just have more time to do that kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're louder and they, they're able to get the attention because they show up to city hall and they say, Hey, this is a problem. needs to be fixed now. Yeah. This is affecting my day. And the state is beholden in some things. Um, yeah, it's like a lack of education. Like yeah. I, growing up, would have never thought of like, oh, there's a oh, that's just a, that's just a pothole, and that's just there. You yeah, know? and like I would have never thought of like, like ringing the alarm for somebody to come. So, so we started this it. by saying that a lot of infrastructure is controlled by uh, private companies, but there also are ones. Lots of it is is controlled by the municipality. For example, the storm drain system is mostly controlled by the state or county area mm-hmm. or whatever is local there. Um, the, the electrical, electrical is not usually the water is not, um, and the sewer is right. uh, owned by the county a little bit, a DPW department, uh, department of public works, but, uh, the storm drain system, if you have, if you have drainage in your backyard, it's not draining. That's actually a responsibility of the county or the, or the state. you should call in to your local government and say, Hey, back of my yard's not draining. And if you're on there, um, within certain areas, they will work to make sure that your your yard drains. It, that's not your responsibility. <clears throat> Maybe wow. they need to store another storm drain. You know, and you can actually, if you have a problem with it being on your land or not off your land, you can influence those 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 calls. Yep. You just need to be able to report them accurately and to the right person. Which I'll admit, it's very difficult finding the right <laughs> right number to call. They're gonna send you around and make it difficult. But yeah, that's talking to government officials. It's just like. It's something that a lot of people don't want to do. Yeah. But, you know, the people that are getting their their stuff fixed, they're they're going through that process. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went to a neighborhood meeting for Petworth, mm-hmm. which is a neighborhood in D.C. if we have any non-D.C. listeners. Um, and there were just some, like, some angry white ladies there. But they were getting shit done. They were like, like, I learned that it was because of them that they did, like, a lot of construction over on Beach Drive that runs through Rock Creek Park. Yeah. And they're like, all right, great. So we got Rock Creek Park Beach Drive uh, fixed, but what about like Piney Branch? And like they were like, and at the time I was like, damn, these white ladies are wilding. But now it's like, well, you'd be surprised that a very, they, very few amount of people can influence uh, ch- changes to infrastructure and, and how it works because we, most people don't care. Yeah. Most people just are like, all right, well, do what you're going to do. I assume you know what's going on. But there's that one person that's actually interested in what's going on. And, and I'll tell you from the from the county or, or infrastructure side of it, they hate those people, obviously. It's yeah, like, ah, sure. man, they're making us change our whole network to go around their house. And it's like, all right, well, I mean, but, but you should. That, they should. Yeah, they have yeah, that right. Yeah, they have that right that. to. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody needs to collectively know that they have the right to call their local government and enforce the things that they're um, servicing. So it feels like... Like a lot of the things we talk about on this pod, it's like, oh, there's some sort of like movement behind this. It doesn't really feel like there's like an infrastructure like movement or like a lot of people that are like calling for better infrastructure. Well, we had like three infrastructure weeks in the last year. 
that didn't actually go anywhere. But I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, a known problem. It's a known problem. What do you mean we had three infrastructure weeks? Uh, Trump was announcing different infrastructure weeks throughout 20 As this national thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a, you know, we're going to get these bills together to work on our infrastructure to fund, you know, better trains, better highways, better whatever. But um, it's, it's about the investment. You yeah. Know, it always comes down to that. Um, well, I mean, it does seem, okay, I, th- I think it would be useful to talk about, like, what, what happened in Flint and what's happening in Flint now, because I feel like that's, like, the, the most recent big media, you yeah. know, event where people kind of cared about infrastructure. But I, I feel like, as somebody who, like, read the headlines, like... I don't necessarily know what the root cause of the problem was. I feel like there's a lot of like, ah, like people don't give a shit about poor people and that's it, right? But like in terms of like what was literally happening, Mm. the most that I know is like they had a particular water source and then they diverted it to the river and the river had all kinds of contaminants in it that was corroding people's pipes. And then once they realized that it was corroding people's pipes, they were like, oh, fuck. And then they switched it back, but it was too late because now the pipes are all like... Yeah. Contaminating the water with lead. I think it was a, it was a little combination of both. Okay. The pipes were aging. And I'm not caught up on the on the, on the Flint stuff, okay. on, to be honest. But, okay. um, the pipes were corroding, mm-hmm. and they were putting a contaminated water through there. But I don't think the water contaminated the pipes. They were just old pipes that yeah. were rusting away. And, yeah. and there's really nothing you can do about it except tear them out and put them back in. But Yeah. You know. So it wasn't like any one person like, oh, they made this terrible decision. No, it was much no. more of a just like no one was maintaining anything. No but one, it, yeah. it sounds like in this case, which is not necessarily the case with a lot of these other like, you know, major structural problems, it's not a case of, oh, someone was being evil and capitalist. It sounds like it was literally just like, oh, people aren't incompetent and don't think ahead and yeah. don't have an incentive structure that allows people to have long-term planning. Exactly. Exactly. So, so if you don't know where these pipes are, right? And you don't necessarily, so the, the price of water is staying, it's not like that's going up with inflation, right? You're not paying a massively huge water bill. And anytime your water bill changes, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Why is that happening? Well, everything else in our life is, is getting more expensive, including the cost of labor. So when you're going to replace those pipes, those it's astronomical how much it costs to do this kind of work. Yeah, It's just not commensurate with what these companies have been making on a steady profit line. You know, they yeah. weren't doing a lot of these repairs. So they're able to make money, but they're not making enough money to replace all the things before they need to be replaced. Right. Replace them when it breaks. So when uh, when a private company like lays pipe, there was no legal obligation for like that same company to like maintain the pipe or like, do you know anything about how that? Well, I mean, got, got if you think with? about it, it's a private company. So yeah. if they're if they're putting that pipe down, they have a customer base. That customer yeah. base is you know, going to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you have options. You don't have to go through city water. You can go get a, um, you know, a well water on your property. You don't have to go through the city, but this, you know, the, the city or this private service provides it and they do the best they can. You know, they're providing for all these communities, but there's not a massive mastermind that's able to like think of all these things over 80 year times. Yeah. Cause so so much has changed. Things get lost all the time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I don't know. Like, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, you know. But it's like you're laying pipe, and it's like, all right, we have an eighty year timer. Like, mm-hmm. someone should have set the timer. Yeah. And then, like, um, but it feels like the timer make either got set, and people were just like, eh, but it's yeah. it's working, or like it just never got set. Yeah. Well, it, it did, and then, but now it's um, it's it's so example. If you laid a main branch, so you, so these these are all usually made out of 
tree-like things. They're sure. all made like branches. So you have the main branches, and you have little ones that come off of it, right? Yeah. So replacing the little ones off of it is one thing. All you have yeah. to do is you but know shut down a block here that main branch. But to do a main branch, yeah. you're going to shut down net, you know access to an entire area unless you can find all these diversions. Yeah. It's it very complicated to yeah. keep service provided 24-7. Yeah. And then we just go back to like what you were talking about, right. just like how we'd have to shut down whole areas and right. like, and people like live there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and how does that happen? You know, if you do it in phases, that's one thing, but I mean, what, what would you do without water for a day, two days, three days? Yeah. And like, what's the city going to do? Like, are they going to like pay for you to go stay in a hotel? Like, right. what's like, <laughs> right. and the fact is, is that people only call when those things happen. Yeah. So if you shut down somebody's water, they're immediately calling the city. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. But if you let it just go, <laughs> I mean, people don't say something until yeah. Flint, Michigan happens. Yeah. And that's how we get here. It feels like going back to the Flint, Michigan thing. And I, I know that you, I'm not like asking you to like answer all the problems about Flint. Yeah. Um, but Flint is like a majority black city, low income or whatever. But how does that play out as it relates to like maintaining the city's pipes as a whole? Mm. Well, so let's say it costs a certain amount to put these pipes in at yeah. a certain time in history. Right. Well, economic areas change all yeah. the time and for, and the city of so Flint would have, have to pay right to, to get the to pay some private company to maintain those pipes right they, well it's all about you know who's going to pay for that project it's going to be paid through the city so for, I'll, I'll talk about baltimore and baltimore city sure this is a very interesting easy one for me uh, baltimore has a very strict line for the baltimore city versus the county right mm -hmm. baltimore county surrounds baltimore city well a lot of the problems in baltimore city are based on the fact that taxes are collected by on that line if you're living in the city, okay, but what if you work in the city and you live in the county? Well, you're paying the county to do all that kind of stuff while you make all the money from the city. Mm -hmm. If you live in the city, you don't get all the benefits of all the people that have the nice jobs there because they move out to the suburbs. Yeah. So you have this problem where suburbs are sucking wealth from the city and they're not you know, really replacing all the things that affect them because it doesn't affect them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably the schools there as well, but it also relates to the infrastructure in West Baltimore. Yeah. A lot of those pipes have they don't even know where they are, as yeah. opposed to the newer areas. They do know where yeah. they are, and they replace them all the time. Yeah, and that's a DC problem too. Yeah, because DC is like a tax where you live. Exactly. Place, so it's yeah. like, and it's just like this like really kind of fucked narrative where like you know bureaucrats are like you know rich like financial people work in DC, mm -hmm. and then but like don't have to pay any DC taxes, and the tax burden falls on people that live in DC, which can tend to be like the working class or like, right. you know, the people that work in the food industry or whatever it might be. You want to pass the buck. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, I feel like some, sometimes the end goal feels like, um, so I've seen this before. I've seen a map of connected, a connected G, a GIS map of all the pipes and like basically showing these are the areas that are most likely to need repair. And these are the areas that are most likely to be efficient in their repair. Yeah. And those two things don't match up. <laughs> so how do you replace the ones that aren't profitable? Mm -hmm. Well, the most profitable way is to let that whole neighborhood collapse, bulldoze it all, and then rebuild a new infrastructure in there and just tear it out as you go. Yeah. So like more incentive for gentrification. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's like a side of gentrification that I just like never knew about. It's like, oh, well, instead of investing in this neighborhood in the way that like allows people to stay here, it's cheaper to just kick everyone out, bulldoze it, and then rebuild it all from scratch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You hate to see that. <laughs> Dude, that's why I literally think that everything comes down to these incentive structures. You know, if, if you have a system that incentivizes like kicking people out, that's just 
Well, it's going to happen 10 out of 10 times. Right. I was reading this crazy New Yorker article about like these two like main water tunnels that supply New York City and how they're trying to build this third tunnel. Right. And like the first two tunnels supply all the current water and the third tunnels we've been trying to build since like 69 and it's still not done. Yeah. And they're literally like our people in this article they were quoting who are like, yeah, I started working on this when I was a kid and they're like 50 years old, you know, like, (laughs) like this was just what they were doing their whole life and will be doing their whole lives. You know, they're like, yeah, I'm probably gonna be buried like, you know, in this tunnel and it's not gonna be done yet. Their time is running out rapidly because the first tunnel was built like a hundred years ago and is rapidly disintegrating. And so they really, really, really need to finish the third tunnel because then they can divert all the water from the first tunnel to the third tunnel, whatever. And like they, (laughs) there's like crazy quotes in this article where like, you know, the person who's been working on the tunnel was like, no one wants to talk about it, but we are flirting with disaster. (laughs) The valves were designed so that you can like close it like a guillotine and then like stop it. But then basically they've disintegrated that the valves are just completely unoperable. Oh, wow. Yeah. This doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And, (laughs) and then, uh, the guy is like, yeah, the engineers will tell you if it fails, it will not fail incrementally. It will fail catastrophically. And like the entire city is going to be completely cut off with water. There will be no water. These fixes are not a day or two. You're going to talk. You're talking two to three years. And you're just like, yeah, that's the thing with infrastructure is that it's not something you can just fix tomorrow. Yeah. It's something that takes (laughs) decades of maintenance to even, you know. Yeah. And in this case, they're like on the clock. Right. Because they're like trying to finish this tunnel. And if they finish this tunnel and it's good to go before tunnel one completely fails, then we're good. But if tunnel one completely <laughs> fails, then New York doesn't have water for three years. Oh. <laughs> Can you like, imagine what you do without water for three days? No, yeah. I couldn't. I yeah. like one time in my childhood home, we are a uh, hot water heater, like busted and people had to come in and fix it. And the, the house didn't have water for like two days. Hmm. And it was, we, it felt like I was living, if like, obviously I was a child. But I was like, are we living in a third world country? Like, like, <laughs> like we like had to bring in water. We like bathed either at like at a friend's house. We like warmed water on the stove to bathe with wow. that we like bought, you know? Cause like you just don't really know what to do when all of a sudden you don't have water. Like no one's prepared for that. Jakarta is also under an aquifer and uh-huh. they've been overusing it so much that it's now collapsing into the ground. The city is collapsing. <laughs> it's the capital of Indonesia and they're, they're dropping it. Like they're just going to let it, they're going to let it collapse and move, move the capital to another place. <laughs> so when they pull all because, that water out, it makes it structurally unsound yeah. and it's just a big hole into the ground. And so the whole city is sinking at like a foot a year or something like that. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> and once again, we're talking about like, it's often cheaper to just let shit go. Yes. And yes. And goddamn. rebuild a new, right? <laughs> so, so here's my, here's my kickback to you from our, the first question you asked me is, yeah. uh, do you think that infrastructure should be owned privately or by state entities? Well, it does seem like the, okay. Like from a very basic, like it's a public good. And so like that kind of thing does seem like the best way. I mean, honestly, we were talking earlier about like, why it's even funded at the like regional municipality level as opposed to just why can't we just have like the federal government be like, okay, you know what? Everyone, water's a human right. We're just going to pay for everyone's like water pipes or whatever, mm. you know? Well, it's, it's like, well, yeah. One of the problems is that they've been built by everybody with different standards. Right. So, you know, yeah. incorporating all those things into one sort of standard would be a nigh on possible task. 
Yeah, and I was thinking about it, like Isabel said, like in the terms of, like, you know, just like what you said about pipe standards, the same thing as like with education standards, right? Like varies across by state. And then we have these like federal systems colleges that we expect everyone to be able to funnel, funnel into and be yeah. able to p- perform well in. And so, but anyways, to answer your question, I like, I went into this conversation thinking that it makes sense in my head for it to be, you know, government owned. And I think it's still even more so it makes sense now. Mm. Um, it does, it does seem like, cause you're hitting on this. It does seem like at the time when things were built, it made sense for private companies to handle that. Mm. But I mean, even if we did it now, like I, I wouldn't, I don't imagine a system where like it's government and government workers are doing like doing it. It would still be like government contracting private companies. And that's what it. mostly it is. Yeah. It's government contracts. And the other thing about it is that because so many of these municipalities are basically like it, like, you know, these utilities are basically monopolies, right? Because there's such a high upfront right. cost. It's like difficult to have any kind of real quote unquote competition, exactly. right? Having it be like a private company doesn't take advantage of any kind of like market forces or whatever. That's usually kind of the benefit of being able to make something private, right? Yes. Being like, Oh, they're going to be so efficient because they're all competing against each other but that's not happening right these are all just monopolies they might still end up being more efficient than the government but i don't think that's necessarily because of the fact that it's private Mm -hmm. because there's no competition anyway right right which which i guess pushes the consumer to be the ones who have to we we have to ring the alarms when things are happening yeah you have to talk to your utility companies and raise the pressure to do things, right? Because you know, otherwise they're not going to. Yeah, because like any of those things where there's a super super high barrier to entry, like you have yeah. to lay literally miles and miles of pipes in order to like get and your foot into the door in this right. market, like that's insane. Like that totally should be something that is public. And you you kind of got into something that I wanted to talk about, which is like what should can people do about this, you know? Mm. And it seems like you're getting at like putting pressure on your providers. But is there, is there also a component about like putting pressure on like policymakers to invest in infrastructure? So I think there's there's some different parts. One, we need to have a thicker skin for delays, for things yeah. like... Like we need to understand that like stuff's going to get shut down. Yeah. I mean, think about the Metro. The Metro is a popular one here because when it changes hours here, people lost their minds. You yeah. Know? But that's going to happen a lot more as, as we get to serious upgrades of infrastructure. Um the other thing, definitely put pressure on public officials and showing up to city halls to influence where things go. I mean, what what things need to be fixed? Because if things aren't reported or aren't um, organized about, then, you know, people are very easily going to kick that can down the road even further. Yeah. So, like, yeah, showing up at city hall, talk, like, putting pressure on public officials, electing officials that, like, prioritize infrastructure. Yeah. Um, is this a, something that like it's one of those things that like we should be paying attention to like local government elections for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Local government is probably the most important place where these kinds of decisions are made. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is believing in your local public official to, mm-hmm. to advocate for you to get these things done. <laughs> are our bridges going to fall? <laughs> are they I mean, so I mean, you hear about like, cars have fallen in potholes in DC. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, like a sinkhole. Yeah, uh, our bridges <laughs> are not going to collapse because people are really terrified of bridges. So they're actually pretty good about replacing bridges. But, uh, <laughs> non-essential infrastructure is, you know, lower on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what's like, considered non-essential? Well, I guess uh, areas that aren't super 
redeveloped or gentrified, gentrified. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say country roads, um, cross streets, like a lot of rural areas, a lot of eh, rural areas, uh, rural areas work on a different thing entirely because most of the rural areas are on well water, like provide their own utilities. that's, That's one thing is to think about like, when you're in a city, you you do benefit a lot from these services being taken care of for you. Like people yeah. don't realize when somebody has pipes on your land, like you you can complain about being there, but it has to be somewhere. You know, yeah. you do happen to off put a lot of your responsibilities onto another organization that takes care of your sewer and your water, and that's something that rural communities don't always have. Sometimes right. they have you know septic tanks, well water. Lots of communities live on septic tank and well water, and people in cities don't realize how good they have it. They don't yeah. have to take care of those nitty gritty details. <laughs> yeah. But and they like, do exist. If you have a well on your property and like it, it dries up, then you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. So <laughs> one, one of the big problems in like Texas is they don't regulate how deep you can bury your wells or Nevada. They, you, people keep digging them deeper and deeper and deeper. So imagine if you, you dig your well 200 feet deep, well, your neighbor dug his 250 feet deep. He can keep pulling way deeper than you can. Yeah. And he will because he knows he can. Yeah. He'll and actually try and use up all his water as rapidly as possible to get under his, under your 200 threshold. Well, then you come back and dig yours 300 feet deep. Yeah. You know, and just, just because like, just because of how gravity works, the deeper well will be able to pull for longer. Right. Right. And we keep using up a lot of those areas too. I mean, if you hear about aquifers, a lot of cities run off aquifers. Um, New York and Jakarta, they both are basically over aquifers. You, mm-hmm. know, you always hear about New York having that great pizza because their water is super purified in this massive aquifer under yeah. the city. Supplies all the water. Well, we keep using all those things up, right? How do we keep using, you know, how, how do you replace those things? You, yeah. You don't. And we haven't really thought about those, those questions. Shane, so much for sitting with us. I appreciate it. It's been a great time. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Do you have any projects uh, or anything like that? Yes. Uh, I'm in a band. We play great music. Ammo Green. Uh, we're from Baltimore. We play like some dub reggae type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty hardcore. We have a show on April 5th. And we're going to have a bunch of shows in the winter. Uh, follow us on Ammo Green Music at Instagram. A-M-M-O-G-R-E-E-N-M-U-S-I-C. Ammo Green Music. Nice. As always, if you heard anything that you liked or if you really hate Shane and infrastructure or hate us, let us know at I'm the villain pod. That's our Twitter, our Instagram, also our Gmail. Uh, Shoot us emails if you want. Bye. Thanks. (laughs)